media consumers, Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker of The Ringer here. This is your Super Bowl 55 instant reaction edition of the Press Box. Final score, Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31, Kansas City Chiefs 9. And David, what else is there to say? Is this Apex Mountain for the old guys still got it? <laughs> oh my gosh, the old guys definitely still got it. The old, Not only did the old guys still got it in the, in the closing score, we had a commercial featuring John Travolta dancing and dancing in which they I believe the script said he still got it. We got this is this is the old guys still got it night of our lives. Absolutely. And the next week of coverage will be Tom Brady is immortal. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady is a model for 40 somethings everywhere. And I think only because the game had a little fake tension in the fourth quarter did we not get more of the loving sideline shots of Tom Brady. It's not like the game undercover Tom Brady. I'm not going to say that. But I think if the game had just been a smidge far, the score had been a smidge bigger, smidge more lopsided, we would have gotten even more. The old guy still got it love in the fourth quarter there. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to train the camera away from Mahomes on offense. You know, I mean, it's he's he's made us believe that anything's possible over the past couple of years. And and uh, and, you know, so kudos to him. And uh, this was a real crappy game for that team. but yeah, you're right. I mean, it, 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 Tom Brady is such a weird figure uh, in sports and that it it sort of simultaneously feels like we can't possibly say enough about him. And at the same time that like the hagiographies have already been written for so many years that it's exhausting, <laughs> right? I mean, it, like, and, and I feel like I went back and forth to the different polls throughout the course of this game several times. And I'll, let, me, let me tell you the way you square those two things. You come on sports radio at like 6 a.m. tomorrow and you go, what is there left to say? I mean, what is there left to say? What can you say about the guy? Doing the hagiography and also acknowledging that you just don't have anything to add at this point. That's 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 a magic sports radio trick. Two big topics for us tonight. I'm going to let you choose what what we do first: the announcers and the commercials. Where should we go (sighs) first? Um, let's do the announcers. Okay. Hold on one second before we do that. Just formally. Oh, oh my gosh! (laughs) Yeah. All right. David has cracked open a beer. Not my first of the night. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a good one. So a very tough draw of a Super Bowl for CBS. Not only are you dealing with the stuff we've been talking about all year with a smaller than usual crowd there in Tampa tonight, you get a game that's not very close. Kansas City scored three points in the second half and they were on their opening drive. Mm -hmm. So... Jim Nance and Tony Romo had to work a little bit extra tonight. What did you think of their performance? I thought they did a great job. And I can, you know, my wife is not an avid football viewer. And she came, and I was just like, all right, I got to do a podcast. What are your notes on the announce team? And she's like, I love Tony Romo. I don't (laughs) think she would have known who Tony Tony Romo was coming into this game. She's like, no, I just like the way he does it. It feels different. I was like, yep, that's Tony Romo. Um, I thought they did a good job. I mean, listen, the, the kind of, synchronicity the, the 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 chemistry between the two people in the announce booth sometimes is overrated right or or, or at least over discussed in forums like this um mm-hmm. but on a night like tonight it's great to have two people that um just have a really easy chemistry and can and and, and easy is the way that nance and romo have made it feel since day one right not just about them but just both of their styles sort of 
skew in that direction. And they did a pretty good job of keeping things moving, if not, you know, even if the game wasn't terribly interesting. Can I give you one theory, which is that Tony Romo, who's been pretty beloved through four seasons of broadcasting, Mm -hmm. started to get a little bit of pushback this year, mostly along the lines of, hey, Tony Romo, I know you're excited to do this game. I know you're really, really excited, but your excitement, which felt so different and natural in years one, two, and three, is starting to just wear on us a little bit. Uh Can you take it down like 10%, 20%? I almost felt he came out in this game tonight, super mellow, mm-hmm. and Nance was the one who was kind of amped up. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this, but the very first kick return of the game, Tampa returner takes it for like 23 yards. It was a yeah. totally pedestrian, and Nance is like, he, he cuts up the middle, and then he's tackled. Mm-hmm. It, felt, it felt like Nance was in the Romo job, and Romo was like, was super mellow, and I, and I don't know if you watched the very interesting hour of television called Tony goes to the Super Bowl during the pregame show. <laughs> I missed that. Sorry. But he said it like he was in a trance in that he's, he's just looking at the camera going, what does greatness really mean? I'm going to ask Russell Wilson. I mean, it was like, Whoa, Tony, <laughs> are you just, are you, did you just get a massage or something? Like what, what's going on here, bud? He just seemed really, really relaxed. But I don't know. He felt that way. And then I felt like about 10, 15 minutes in, he got in. And you're right. Their chemistry is fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I could, I could, uh, you know, run through my note sheet here. I, might, I think my favorite part of the Nance performance was that he, it felt like he, he got in all of his notebook dump at the end. Not just not really information, <laughs> but the catchphrases he had been workshopping. He just sort of like threw a bunch of stuff at the wall in the last minute and a half of the game you know uh you know again the chiefs were demanding our sort of attention and respect until very very late in the in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. um and so nan sort of had to cram a bunch of stuff um but you know i think overall uh it, it was a really strong performance by them i think that you know maybe it's because we grew up i mean not grew up we were of age when tony romo took over the Cowboys. We rooted for him. We, we watched him play. This is his second career. Like it does feel like he's a little bit more of a contemporary to us than, uh, you know, some of the, the, when we started watching football, the people who were calling the games were living legends, you know? Um, and there's something about the Nance Romo duo that feels a little bit, uh, it doesn't feel quite as like star studded, even though they're both the very best at what they do, but may, but that sort of contributes to the ease. I think, I, I mean, the sort of comfort you feel, listening to them you know it's not nance does not have nance has definitely has like a traditional announcer voice but there's but the delivery is a lot more kind of i don't know grandfatherly or something i mean and Mm -hmm. and and tony romo you know obviously is he's like like you know my wife says like when i have a couple of beers i get a lot more southern tony romo just sort of like gets increasingly southern somehow as the game goes on you know he just like he he, like he's he's the deeper he kind of gets into football trance the more it's just like it really is just like a high school coach out there just identifying plays (laughs) yeah nance is really leaning into elder statesman Mm -hmm. that is the key where he likes to live yeah Absolutely. If it feels, if they feel a little, I don't know, a little more tangible than the announcers of our youth, I would say two things. One is that 
the world is smaller, right? The networks are smaller. Every mm-hmm. everything has been downsized from from the '80s monoculture that we grew up in. Number two, and more poignantly, David Tony Romo is younger than the two of us. Yeah, <laughs> how does that make you feel? I mean, yeah. So you know, yeah, he doesn't seem like this larger than life figure because we're older than him. Mm-hmm. And exactly. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to put that out uh, on Front Street for everybody at, at the time. But you're absolutely right. And uh, and. Yeah, I mean, he 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 definitely has a sort of grit. <laughs> the word of the the word of last year, a sort of gravitas. He's he's a character, you know, and he's he's a. It's weird because as a player, he seemed a little bit like uh, the anti quarterback. You know, he was ever he he was sort of, well, I mean, given that he's also a quarterback and you know a white dude and everything else, he seemed about as far away from from Troy Aikman as you could get. Right. Oh, yes. And and yet uh, he is, you know, on the mic, he is like sometimes it feels like he's straight out of Friday Night Lights. You know, I mean, there's something very football and something and sort of very unique about him at the same time. Very drawed up in the dirt, both as a quarterback and then as an announcer. Mm-hmm. I'm making this up as I go along. Yeah. I had a few funny moments I wrote down. Nance was uh, talking about how Tom Brady was the first player to come into the stadium today mm-hmm. and Connie said he was gazing around the stadium and then Tony responds I could see you were gazing at him too while he was gazing <laughs> really well done by the gazers and then it goes back to Nancy and he goes easy yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where he thought that whole rip was, was that going a ge- was it a geezers joke was it I don't know it was a, there, there was a lot later I think what that uh, they also pointed out or, or I mean um Romo went out of his way to point out that this was the 100th Tom Brady game that Jim Nance called in his career, which is just amazing, of, right? Kind of stunning, right? I mean, not <laughs> just like, I don't know. I mean, if you said this was the 100th game that Tom Brady played on CBS, I guess Nance probably called most of them, but that would still be really shocking, right? I mean, this it's it's that's just surprising. One thing I also like about Romo that makes him different than the other network guys is there's a little ringer podcaster in him. Mm-hmm. Like when the Bucks went down and scored a touchdown on their last drive of the first half, which made the score, correct me if I'm wrong here, 21 to six, I yeah. think. Tony Romo basically said that could be a Super Bowl winning drive right there. Mm-hmm. He was willing to jump ahead. And that's the thing is he's not just predicting plays. He's actually doing this kind of analysis like, you know what? They might have just clinched the game right there, which, by the way, they did mm-hmm. as it turned out. And that's not the kind of analysis I don't think you would hear from Troy Aikman or Chris Collinsworth. They just, their mind wouldn't work like that. Yeah. He's happy to do it. Uh, another one was when it became clear that the Bucks were going to win the Super Bowl. And he said, see, this is going to give Brady seven Super Bowl titles to Patrick Mahomes' one Super Bowl title. <laughs> and if it had been yeah. six to two, he could have caught him maybe. But seven to one is tough to catch. That's like something straight out of Bill's pocket. <laughs> That's not something normal announcers are talking about. And right. I like it. Yeah. I'm, I to me, that's interesting. That is something interesting to talk about in that moment. It is. It is. I mean, you gotta you you make the observation on some level and you gotta push the bit, right? I mean, you gotta make it you gotta you gotta sort of make it a more clickable idea. And he did that on the fly. It's pretty 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 good work there. If I have any notes for the CBS Romo crew, and I've said this to you before, but it's this. I don't think they do a fantastic job explaining the storyline of the game to dumb people like us. Mm -hmm. Like there was something tonight that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were doing 
with their defense that just completely shut down one of the greatest offenses we've ever seen. Yeah. Part of it was Kansas City's problem with the offensive line. Part of it was the safeties, the two deep safeties that Romo referred to. He did a little of that in the fourth quarter. If this had been Chris Collinsworth and Freddie Gadelli and that NBC crew, they would have been showing close-ups of those two safeties over mm-hmm. and over again. They would have showed you close-ups of those Tampa Bay defensive ends running right around those bad mm-hmm. tackles for Kansas City. Right? They would have personalized it and been like, here's what's happening. It's I agree. happening again. And and Romo is really good at explaining football, but his crew just doesn't put him in that position. So you're kind of watching the game, and I'm I know I I know you and I are about the same level of football, and I'm kind of like, what's happening again? Yeah. Why is team A doing this to team B? Well, they did they talked about the how you know Kansas City's line sort of offensive line sort of you know was in shambles, but they didn't really get to that until the third quarter or something, and that's when it was, you know, maybe more so obvious they had to say something but i agree with you i feel like that we you and i've had these kind of conversations you know off the podcast but uh the you know the announcers the networks i think are tempted to sort of dumb it down a little bit for the super bowl right they know they're kind of shooting at a, a much broader audience than normal but i think if that's the case or even if it's not what they're missing is you don't ignore the x's and o's to make things more accessible, you just tell it in a way that it's accessible, right? I mean, they should have been. Yes, that's exactly. They should have been showing you JPP's face, like as big as the screen, and then, you know, like explain his like 40 speed and then do that for everybody who's like running after Pat Mahomes, right? To like, like personalize all these people who are terrorizing the the Chiefs offense. And don't be afraid to be like, there are five people, five gigantic dudes standing in front of Patrick Mahomes who are who are tr- supposed to protect him and instead are a threat to his life right now because they're just they're just olaying people as they as they as they sprint towards the most valuable man in sports. Exactly. And that's not X's nose. That's show me what football man is doing to other football man. Yeah, exactly. Right? And and what it would be again, come out of a commercial, and again, this is a Sunday night football mainstay. Come out of a commercial, have a set piece ready to go three replays in a row and you show me why that offensive tackle can't block that outside linebacker, Mm -hmm. whether it's JPP or Shaq Barrett, whoever it is. And you show it to me until I understand it. Me being dumb football person. Yeah. You don't use terms like cover two. You don't use all that stuff. Just show me why he is beating the other guy. Yeah. And it tells a great story. And it's funny when Tony and Jim did their first Super Bowl, that was that same kind of, remember that was the Patriots Ram Super Bowl where there was no scoring. Mm-hmm. And I thought the same thing. I was like, show me Aaron Donald. Show me how he's just wrecking shop right now with the Patriots offensive line. Right. Show just just show me personalize it to me. That's that's note number one. Note number two, and this is not Tony Rumble's fault, but we've had some people in the sports media industrial complex saying he's better than John Matt. And you know what I think about that comparison. <laughs> this early in Tony Romo's career. If there had been a Super Bowl like this, and there were many in John Madden's career. You know what he would have done during that fourth quarter when it wasn't a very entertaining game? He would have taken it as his responsibility to entertain the audience. Mm-hmm. He would have been like, okay, football game, whatever. I, I got to do this. I got to carry this. Yep. I got to be like a late night host right now. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do stupid jokes. I don't have to get out of the football game. I need to honor the game, but I need to carry this thing right now. I agree. Tony Romo 
whether he can do that or not, I don't know, but he clearly doesn't think in those terms right now. He's like, I'm analyzing the football game. I'm still here. I haven't gone to this other level and say, you know what? I just need to be, I just need to be funny right now. Right. I need to. I think part of what makes Romo and we, we kind of got at this earlier, but I think part of what makes Romo so good and so effective is he's sort of deferential to Nance, right? I mean, he's so like, he, he's, he's, he is Romo more than anything is intent on making that relationship work. And Nance reciprocates, obviously there's not, I'm not trying to insinuate anything, but Madden was a different thing. I mean, Madden did exactly what he wanted to do at any given time regardless of what Pat Summerall was doing in the chair next to him. Now, Pat Summerall was a, you know, a football, a football robot who would just like get in there and you turn the crank and he would like call the, 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 the yardage, the, the, the down yardage, like automatically and boom his voice over whatever else was going on. And all Madden had to do was sort of just like step around him in those moments. But it's a, it's a different relationship. You're right. I mean, you're right though. I mean, the, the fourth quarter, in most, in this, it's not specific to Romo. Obviously, it's everybody else. It's it, it the the fourth quarter for probably the past ten Super Bowls has. I mean, it just it's, it's so easy for it to fall into sort of a malaise where we're just like, you know, trying to bide time between commercials. Yes, and and look, there may be no sports announcer on television, at least in football, that can just chew scenery and just really do it and and sort of just you know, wow, an audience like that, that mm-hmm. may just not be possible. I'm just saying, if we're doing power rankings and you were trying to put Romo in some level, just, just remember that, right? That is, that is a superpower John Madden hat. And it was an incredible superpower. We should do commercials next, I assume, but before we get away from the announced team, I just want to, th- this is not a knock on CBS uh, per se, but this is more of a general question, not specific to tonight. <laughs> but, Why in a football game do we go back to the to, to the halftime show roundtable after the game for three seconds? I like, know. What is, what is what that? Is the, why do we have to go back and be like, <laughs> at every single time, no matter what channel it's on, it's just like, hey, coach, what did you think about that? I mean, there was some technical glitches tonight, but set that aside. If there were worded it. Hey, coach, what do you think about the game? Well, I think we're really going to see this really means a lot for Tom Brady's legacy. And we're going to we're going to really find out a lot about what Patrick Mahomes is when he to see how he comes back next. And before they finish talking, like the credits are running over their face and like, nope, I would much rather see an eagle flying across the sky than to hear like 15 seconds of nonsense from (laughs) from one or two people on the panel. Like, let them go home, like you know, or whatever. I mean, it's, let them do something besides this. Find a job for them. at least let them. Even on Football Sunday, it's like the the post game stuff. It's, it's it's totally it's just totally worthless. And they did it at halftime too. Yep, they did everybody do three seconds before we go to the weekend. And I'm like, what? What if we just downsize? Okay, we need we need a bunch of guys for the four hour plus pregame show. Mm-hmm. But halftime, how about we have James Brown and Nate Burleson? Yeah. And or just James Brown and Boomer Sison. You pick whoever you want. And one and he has like one, you know, cogent 45 second minute long thing over some highlights. That's it. I completely agree. It feels very, very perfunctory to do that. All right, David, let's do some commercials. I texted you during the game. Yeah. And I said, Am I imagining this? Are there like 35, 40% more commercials featuring stars yeah. this year? Has the like dancing animal versus actual TV movie star ratio changed in 2021? What do you think about that? Well, 
it's funny because all of those, I mean, the thing that struck me before I realized how many stars there were was how CGI and all the stars were like everything. We kept seeing those Paramount plus ads where they had all the, like, you know, the representative kind of the tent poles, the living tent poles of the various, you know, properties that were all hiking up a mountain together. Yes. And it was like so clear that they were just each, you know, they each like were sent like a green screen at home and, you know, and they filmed their part of solo or whatever. And, and they, and they taped them all together in the, the on the, some computer somewhere, but that was like every commercial. And that's the product of what we're, the age that we're living in. Right. I mean, we've, every we, we've all read the endless stream of like Hollywood reporter articles about how impossible things are to film now. And it's not, I mean, and, and just as a practicality, even if there's not legality behind it. Right. I mean, and as I was watching all these stars, I was thinking, oh, they're finding like every ad company is having to find ad agency is having to find different ways to put a star in a commercial without actually having the star leave their living room. You know, I mean, it's like it's, mm-hmm. it's this weird game of limbo. But but there were way more stars. And when you think about it, like a CGI Clydesdale is much more workable, you know, from a from a computer terminal than, you know, Matthew McConaughey. So <laughs> it is really bizarre that that's the that's the direction they chose. They could have done a lot of a lot of different things, but I guess at the end of the day, you know, a lot of these stars aren't too busy right now. Maybe no. they're you know maybe maybe they're 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 reaching out. Maybe they're more interested. Maybe they're more affordable. And also, this is the way we've been steering for a long time. I mean, it's way like like you and I will make a joke about a, a you know Jason Alexander hoodie in two years. And we will not have we will not remember a single, you know, mm. CGI frog from a beer commercial in, you know, three days later. I hope I'm not making a Jason Alexander hoodie joke. That was kind of funny, by the way. Yeah. But I, I hope I'm not making that joke in, in two years, three years. Well, and you have my permission to to call the authorities if I'm yeah. making that joke in a couple of years. I'm not talking making the joke. I'm just guaranteeing that you and I will be doing a prestige podcast, six episodes on how Jason <laughs> the Jason Alexander hoodie changed oh, America. <laughs> The ghost of Christmas future. This is horrible. <laughs> My serial podcast on how that commercial was made. We're starting. We got to start a new segment on just prestige podcast futures. Just like bring out the crystal ball. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get. We couldn't get Jason Alexander for the pod, but we got the kid. You know, so we 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 did it anyway. We it was kind of a right around. No, um, I can't believe you thought the Paramount streaming commercials were green screen. You don't think they took. Spock and Jeff Probst like up to uh, Lake Arrowhead or something to shoot that up to Big Bear. <laughs> Listen, I, I mean, I, I am. I think it's a good, obviously, a great business decision by CBS to you to spend as much time as humanly possible promoting that and Clarice and the Equalizer starring Queen Latifah. But uh, it did seem the Paramount Plus thing. If it, listen, if it weren't specific to the network that it was on, if this were on a neutral playing field, uh, as they say, I would think like fifty percent of the commercials we would have seen tonight were for streaming services. And I think, I mean, it, and you could tell just by the volume of Paramount Plus ads, this is a very specific time in our history. It's like the you know, like those first couple of years of the internet era where everything was just some computer company. You weren't sure what they did. <laughs> this is definitely like just on Paramount Plus alone. This is like the streaming company Super Bowl. Yeah, let's call our moms after we get off the pod and see if they understood what the Paramount company was selling in that commercial. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's a no for me, dog, on my mom. <laughs> Uh, was knew what was going on there, but uh, I'll have. It would have worked forward. better with a tribal council reference, but I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know what they say <laughs> when they turn out when they extinguish the flame. 
What is yeah, you're uh you're uh you're you're dismissed. I don't know. I don't want we don't watch that. A uh, couple ads I like. The Matthew McConaughey ad that seemed to be a tribute to the beloved children's book series Flat Stanley. Did you yes. see that where he ate the 3D Doritos yeah. and became big? I like can I my only my only nit to pick with that is I don't understand how he got into the like he was still a being. He was still a con, he was still a physical a physical being well didn't he go through the slot at the bottom oh is that what happened it looked like he just turned sideways and slipped through the glass i guess i missed that part anyway anyway well we'll we'll look for the breakdown on a different ringer pod on that one uh on the not so great for kids front how about the m night Shyamalan demonic kids beach movie (laughs) boy that really skunked it for my family right at the beginning of the super bowl it was (laughs) a great it was it was a great trick though because it because it very it felt like a like mediocre beer commercial for the first like five seconds of it. And you're like, yeah, who's this? This doesn't feel quite Super Bowl worthy. What's going on here? And then of course it was kids aging really quick. Is that the, is that what it is? Yeah. I think the kids so. grew up really fast. Yeah. Cause the mom, the mom, the, the bereaved mom was like, Oh my God, my son was like nine when he ran over there. And now he's an adult. And then if the commercial was 30 seconds long, like 28 seconds into the commercial, you had the, the mom's voice. There was a voiceover from the mom character. It was just like, there's something wrong with this beach. It's like, <laughs> wait, it's a haunted, like, the does it, is it scarier that it's a haunted beach or that your kid just got 15 years older in five seconds? Yeah, like, it's like, yeah I would, the I would say the haunting aspect of it is sort of secondary, I think. <laughs> there was the Budweiser commercial legends commercial. That was fantastic, but the pro- my only problem with that was I forgot all. It wasn't in, I forgot almost half of them or all of them. I don't yes. remember. It started. I'm like, who are these people? I knew I knew the night because he's recent, but then I was looking at everybody else, and then they kind of started talking. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. That, but that I, guy. I feel like there were more recognizable ones from our childhood that I would not have been averse to seeing. But that's fine, whatever. I mean, it was it was it was a cute idea. I did not love Will Ferrell for GM Electric Vehicles. That it felt, you know, when we used to watch the Oscars as a kid and be like Robin Williams would come out to give out an award and he'd be a little past prime Robin Williams. And yeah. he'd be like, this is going to be really funny. And then he, like, I don't know. I I did not know. I could not put into words how I felt about that one, but that's exactly right. I, that, that's I, I, I was not in on that one. I saw some people who just loved it. And listen, Will Ferrell's always funny. Like somebody should just throw $10 million at him to do a commercial every, every Super Bowl. But, um, but yeah. Little, little bit, little bit confused. I, I think I was not paying attention during the first like five seconds of it, and sort of missed the entire point of it the whole way through. But again, you know, Will Ferrell is a funny thing. We have entered a moment in American advertising where, when you don't have an idea, you just tell John Travolta to start dancing. Mm-hmm. You remember the Capital One ad that was out around Christmas where he was dan- dressed as Santa and he started dancing? Yeah, he was actually doing the dance from Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And then tonight, I believe it was Scott's Lawn and Garden. Am I getting that right? And he was also dancing. Yeah, it was very strange. I mean, there was a lot of other stuff going on in that commercial. Uh, there, it was, well, the same thing about the 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 uh, Will Ferrell one that you just mentioned, and that like the celebrities that were in that were sort of not related in any way, except just <laughs> no. to like kind of hit different bases of Q rating or something. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure what was going on. But yeah, the John Travolta one was, I mean, it was, it, there was something very kind of just like, it, whether or not it was a good commercial, it was like, a, it, it wasn't a car wreck in the sense that it was a bad commercial, but it was a car wreck in the sense that 
everybody was going to like stop their car to look out the window at John Travolta proudly sh- with sh- with proudly shaved head doing it doing like a kind of TikToky dance, you know? I mean that it was it was a it was a stop and gawk sort of thing. Yeah, the Will Ferrell one was an electric car wreck as it were. This was <laughs> this one was bad because I actually had to rewind to see what the commercial was for, which is always a bad sign. I'm like, "What's the it's a lawn thing?" Yeah. And I just so Blown away. I put this out on Twitter and I've I've used it before, so this was a double dip. But if Quentin Tarantino really wanted to prove his talent to America right now, he would try to reboot John Travolta's career now. Mm-hmm. He did once before with Pulp Fiction. Oh yeah. Imagine trying to do it now. And he can't be playing John Travolta like it's some kind of meta comedy. You have to just cast him in a real movie. Uh-huh. I think a streaming service, perhaps this Paramount Plus that we saw so much of during the Super Bowl, is just like <laughs> unlimited budget. You have to make a movie for John Travolta that's not a gag about him being this lost celebrity or something. You have to find a role for him. But I, I think that would be did, fascinating. Here, here's the, I mean, one of the things, I don't know, this is a great conversation to have on a, on a media podcast. John Travolta was not a nobody when Pulp Fiction came out. And that's the the big the greatest lie the devil ever told was convincing people that John that, that Tarantino had dra- had like dragged him out of obscurity to, re- no. to revitalize his career. Like look who's talking three came out like a week before <laughs> Pulp Fiction. I, I, I don't John know if Travolta's you're proving ca- the, you're proving the argument or refuting the argument here. Well, but okay. maybe, but regardless, he was doing fine. I mean, like, obviously, he got some ph- like phenomenon, and the one where he was an angel wouldn't have happened without Pulp Fiction. Okay, but it's not like he was doing nothing. He was doing totally fine for a guy that was as famous as he had, as he had been in the seventies or whatever. The point he now made being, him an A list star again with Pulp Fiction. Sure. For okay. a brief, for a time. Broken I, Arrow, all I that don't, he, I don't, he made yes, him an yeah, yeah. But the him being a like a, a star that needed a recovery was also part of the mythology that was created there. And I think in a sense, that's what we're feeling now. It's the reversion to the norm that only existed because it was this myth created by Tarantino. <laughs> I don't know, man. Wait, you're well, saying that John through. Travolta he, is still big? No, I this guess is, he's got a lot. He's got other stuff going on too. There's a lot of there's a there's a lot of uh, stuff that you got to go through. Yeah. Um, second half of the game, David was just like felt like the second half of the Oscars. Like, oh, it's Wayne's World. We got mm-hmm. Anthony Anderson and his mom. That's by the way a giant Super Bowl like category person yeah. with their mom or yes. fictional mom. Uh, we had Joey Bosa. I believe I saw the wrestler Edge involved. Uh-huh. Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis and that Shaggy. was a good one. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of funny. Edward Scissorhands with Winona Ryder, but not Johnny Depp. Yeah, but that was fantastic. I mean, that was yeah. the only thing you can do, Johnny Depp. But that was, I mean, that was that was a that was a. I love that commercial. That was in my top something. I don't even know what I'm what I'm how I'm numbering them now, but I love that one. Brad Garrett declaring war on Jimmy John's in a commercial that was shot like a Scorsese movie. Yes. Did you totally black out during that one? No, no, that no. Was that was pretty clever. Fanta- it, was, yeah. it, it was aiming lower, but I thought that was pretty good. It, it really it really felt like Ray Liotta talking to the camera yes. in Goodfellas. Uh, we have to mention the Reddit commercial that was five seconds yes. long or whatever that we that we ran twice, at least once in the pregame. And we actually did, you know, we paused the the, the you know, the the stream and and looked at it and and uh, it got us. It was a smart move. It's one of those that like I'm sure I, I don't know if every ad agency has had an idea like this over the past decade, but like you and I have both had this idea a million times. <laughs> like, why don't you just pay for one second of commercial time, all these expensive commercials, and people will all be talking about it the next day. I mean, now anything is possible, and it does almost seem like 
the full length commercial is just a waste of everybody's time, right? All I just like all I really need is for you to like if you just told me that we have Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, real life married couple, and they're going to be doing a Dorito, whatever, or a Cheetos ad, whatever it was, and also Shaggy singing a song, a variation on his fan. Like that, like I, that's all I need to know. Like I hardly need to see it. Um, so a lot of it feels a little bit, I don't know if overdone is the right word. Also, a category that I did not pay enough attention to, to, to today to really like make the whole list, but Chipotle definitely wins the award. For the commercial that's not really about the thing that it's advertising, we get a few of these every year. But I mm-hmm. feel like in the the past yeah. couple of years, it's been you know there's a lot of kind of solemnity in our society obvi- for obvious reasons. We're very uh, you know the, we're going to go too overboard in some directions. But like I don't, I, I kind of just get mad when somebody talk when, you know <laughs> when I get a commercial that feels like a complete misdirection. I mean, is it is maybe maybe that's just me? I, I no, no, I'm idea. with you. I'm with you because it also makes me just think too hard, and I'm just I kind of get mad. Yeah. The other one, the other one that was like there was like a was it Uber Eats or what are the other? There was one of the food delivery services that were just like advertising local businesses, you know, and it's just yes, like that was very confusing. Yeah, it's that like was you're no that was Wayne's World. Yes, yeah, yeah, and there and there was the other one with uh, Sesame Street too. The whole thing, it, it yeah, just, that was weird. Anyway, that was a good. That was a great commercial. Then I just got to the end and I was just like, "What was I just watching?" Like I feel like totally, I feel like totally duped by this whole thing. I was stealing myself for the Bruce Springsteen commercial, which was like the mm. going to be the COVID comeback commercial, and I, I must have just blacked out during it. I, I have no memory of it. I read more about it before the Super Bowl. By the way, there was a hilarious tweet. I believe it was on CBS that said, "Here are the Super Bowl commercials that have leaked." Okay, we have really devalued the word leaked when it has been posted on the Chevy YouTube account by Chevy. Yeah. That has not been leaked. (laughs) That has been provided to you, Mr. Journalist, to write about. So you Mm -hmm. can give them more advertising before the advertising they pay for. (laughs) So so let us never, ever use use leak like it was something that Deep Throat did. That is is not the same thing. That's true. Thank you. Two more notes for you, David. Roger Goodell was tieless during this game. Do you think that was like Roger Goodell's COVID casual look? Like, look, it's, <laughs> it's just not appropriate to go full tie here at the Super Bowl. So that was kind of a kind it was, of a, it was kind a good of a look for him, you know, kind of. A, and, and I was going to just blast CBS here because I don't know if you saw the Brit Reed segments they did during the pregame show. Brit Reed is the yeah. son of Andy Reed. He was in, I can read from the ESPN article here, involved in a multi-car crash Thursday night that has left a five-year-old child with life-threatening injuries. Truly a horrible story. CBS comes on there and did an update that was like, Andy Reid isn't going to let this be a distraction. He is going to focus on it like and treated it completely in those terms. Did not mention the welfare of the child. Did not mention anything about the victims of the accident. And... I'm sitting there watching it, and Nance, to his great credit, came in at the end of the game. Yes. And said, our hearts go out to those people. And that's exactly right. Like, he, he, he I think he, I'd have to listen to it again, but I'm pretty sure he hit it really well. Mm-hmm. But putting it into football speak, I'm just so mystified by that. Because it's so much easier to do what I just did and read the AP story or the ESPN.com story. It's harder to put it into silly football terms. This is a distraction. He needs yeah. to focus to overcome that like what are you doing yeah what are you doing 
I was just, I was shocked. I just thought, I didn't think we did that anymore. Well, I just think it's so hard to get out of the way of the, I mean, this is not, this was a really bad decision to to talk about it that way, but it's almost like the vocabulary that's just sort of institutionalized now through all yes. the, like, oh, you have to tell everybody's tragic story, even, even if it's not, you know, the truth of it kind of matters less than just the the soft focus and the and the you know clangy piano music in the background that's what it is it's the grammar of pregame show yeah infecting everything you're like no no what if the tragedy is for someone else yeah you know like that the victims we're thinking about are other people not the coach of the chiefs Mm -hmm. try i mean it's just i'm just going oh my gosh anyway any any other thoughts or should we shut this baby down uh one more not specifically about the game tonight, um, but a, a, a more general thing. Just completely coincidentally, last night I was in bed watching the fantastic 1996 movie Daylight uh, with uh, Sylvester Stallone <laughs> as like the former head of the EMTs trying to save people. That uh, was it the Holland Tunnel that had been exploded by the by toxic waste and a and a crashed car. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, okay. fantastic, like in, like like locked room sort of action movie. One of the characters, and there's like 20 main characters in this movie because it's all these different sorts of people who are in here to trap together. One of the characters is a sort of. Uh, sports uh, extreme sports ceo type like the kind of guy who would be like one of the guest hosts on shark tank if it were like the you know modern year played by Viggo morganson his name was roy nord and the movie <laughs> starts with him in the boardroom and they they screen a commercial of him like hyping himself and his product kind of unclear what it is and then it kind of we we pan out and it's him and a bunch of suits watching it in a boardroom and the suits are like we got to go big our stock's dropping we want to run this during the super bowl and and ben vigo morganson's just like fine just we'll do a we'll do a 30 second spot in the first half and a and a and a reduced size spot in the, or whatever a minute in the first half 30 seconds in the second half you like whatever and then that never comes up again but it it made me wonder if there's more Super Bowl commercials in media. Like, are there more fake Super Bowl commercials <laughs> out there? And I couldn't think of any. But certainly there have to be some movies and TV shows that have, like, Super Bowl commercials as part of the plot line, right? I mean, it's a huge institution of American culture. Yeah, did Jerry Maguire not have Cuba Gooding he might. recording there, a Super that's Bowl a great, commercial? That's a great one. I don't know. That, At the press box, Bob. Yeah. If you know any... If any, you know any... Any maybe maybe entourage, right? I'm just thinking of <laughs> yeah. something that might have something. If they and have one, and then we should come back this week or later this week or next week and just actually run like we can rate those commercials instead okay. of the ones that we just watched tonight. <laughs> Leak us those commercials to use the <laughs> word I heard earlier this week. He is David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Production Magic by Erica Cervantes. Back tomorrow within hours with more lukewarm takes about the media. See you then, David. The old guy still got it. Later, yeah. Bro.